Awesome. So I, I am going to continue with the series that we started about two weeks ago that Pastor Carol started called Great Faith. And uh, last week she uh, taught us on the story of Enoch and how he, through faith, became a hero uh, in his life. If you went here last week, please get the podcast. I think you will be greatly blessed. And also you know how to track with us as we've been progressing through this series of great faith. And today I am going to be speaking on faith facts. Faith facts. I figured that there are certain things in our lives that we can understand with our natural five senses and there are certain things that we cannot understand with our five natural senses. But it does not mean that the things that we cannot understand with our five natural senses do not exist. Because the Bible says that God is spirit and those that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. If you didn't know this before, that there is a component of God that is spiritual. Which means that the five senses might not fully comprehend that. Uh, component of God or that character of God which is spiritual. All right, so I'm going to continue with that faith facts today. Before I do that, I want to introduce what we've been using uh, as uh, the base chapter or scripture for us. Oh, thank you, Hendrik. Uh, for us to understand this great faith, which is Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is uh, written in the context of the Jewish Christians who had given their lives to Jesus and they were following Jesus, they were going through some persecution because of their faith in Jesus. Because of their conversion from being uh, in Judaism to being Christians. And so the writer of Hebrews is in Hebrews 11 about to tell them the history of their fathers and mothers or forefathers and foremothers. And the writer understands very well that in order for them to understand how their faith relates to their forefathers' faith, it is important that he starts explaining from the beginning from uh, Abel down to you know, the person who was closest to them so they can understand how God had journeyed with their forefathers. But before he does that, he wants to introduce this concept of faith in his own way. And so he starts with a definition of what faith is. Before we read Hebrews 11, I was reminded of this definition of, of faith by the writer of the book of Hebrews. That you know when you, either in varsity or high school, or you just read a book, there is a glossary that comes with a book where you've got terms that are defined in there that you're going to find across the book as you read. And oftentimes, the author of the book would define those words in the way that they understand them, so that every time you come to that word, you should refer back to their definition of that word in order for you to understand the concept, or the context rather, within which that word is used. And so this is the writer of Hebrews. He wants to define faith in his own words. So that as you and I read Hebrews chapter 11, that we understand faith from his perspective and from his definition. And so we start Hebrews chapter 11. My laptop isn't connecting. Suddenly, there we go. 
says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things which are, sorry, the things which, I beg your pardon, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that your word brings life. Your word brings healing. Your word brings strength. And so we receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the writer de defines this word. He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not yet seen. He paints a picture of two realms. One is the realm of your hope, and another is the realm of things that you have not yet seen, which you cannot hope for, but they're there. He says, so faith is both. It is the evidence and it is the substance. Faith is the material value of your hope, he says. He says when you've got a hope for God to do something in your marriage or a hope for God to open a door for you on your job, when you've got a hope for something, and when someone asks you, why do you hope the way you hope that the material value that validates your hope is the faith you have in God? He says faith is the substance of things that you hope for and it is the evidence of your conviction. Because your conviction is based on the nature and on the character of God, not necessarily of things that you have seen and experienced. And so he's saying, when you look at this and the bigness of God, and you look at your life, faith becomes that thing that validates the fact that God can perform something in your life that you cannot do for yourself. So he wants us to, as we journey through Hebrews 11, he wants us to have this mind of understanding the definition of faith. And then he gets to verse 2 and 3. He says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. Pastor Carol preached on this and there was a wonderful slide here that we had by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And when I saw that, I went back home. I don't know if you have the habit of doing that. I'm taking the word, going back home and kind of try to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through that word. One of them was this one, by faith, we understand. How can we understand by faith? I've had the opportunity to do some online studies and some of them have been very big uh, did a project for uh, one of the big telecommunication companies they wanted to reposition themselves on the market and so they needed to collect data to hear what the customers are saying about them and so we worked somehow on that project to gather data online for for this particular company and if you've been in anything, if you've done a research study for your master's, PhD, or whatever form of study that you have done, when you gather the data, it doesn't always line or align with your subjectivity and your bias. And so what we usually would say is that, hey, let us allow the data to speak to us. 
Sometimes maybe your view would be that your packaging is green and then your customer thinks, no, this is blue. And so you don't allow your subjectivity to dictate the decisions that you make. Allow the data you've collected from your customers to speak to you. And I realized how conditioned we have become as people to only understand life by facts that are presented before us. That you want to understand your life by the facts that you know about your life. You want to understand even the dealings of God with you based on the facts that can make sense to your natural senses. And so the writer is introducing us to a different realm of understanding which is understanding by faith. My mother-in-law retired in December last year. And she's just looking forward to starting to spend her retirement money. Uh, <laughs> so she wanted to have a telecom internet installed in her house. Uh, she happened to be at our house that particular weekend, and she wanted me to call the um, telecom guys for her and, and so forth and so on. But she, my mother-in-law, is amazing at asking questions about questions. I don't know if it's a thing about mothers when they start to grow a little bit older, they then want to ask more questions. But anyway, <laughs> she was asking me, so she was asking me about the router. What is inside the router? Why is it connected to the internet? How am I going to, is it going to be able to Wi-Fi? Is it going to be able to do all these things? And I said, and I said to her, I said, I tried because she wanted to really know how the router works in connection with your Wi-Fi and the internet because she wanted to have a router in her home for the first time because she hasn't had that before. Now, I, I tried to be David who has a master's in physics and understands science. I just tried to use wavelength and wave. I just, I just said things. I can't remember what I said, but something made sense to her. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so because she agreed to having it, I suppose it made sense. And so she installed that. But in preparation for this message, I realized how much trust we put in people that create products that we use without necessarily having to understand them first before we use them. That how many of us would open a router and see all the wires that are connected and should be connected before we actually buy the router? All we want to know is, it, is it going to work? Is it not? I trust the manufacturer who made it. Because they have a better understanding than me. And sometimes understanding by faith requires us to relinquish our own desire. To fully understand the dealings of life and rely on the one that created life. Because he has a better understanding of our lives. He says by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I was reminded... Of Abraham and Sarah. God comes to this couple. And says to Abraham. I want you to leave your father's house. And your mother's house. And go to a land. I will show you. If, you, if you're a man. And you're married. I think the Bible should have said. God appeared to both Sarah and Abraham. Because it's a lot of work. To have to convince your wife. <laughs> To leave and go to a place you don't know where you are going. You, uh, you just, you're just going by the word of God. 
And Abraham agrees to following God. And so he's going with God. Probably he may have convinced his wife that I met God and God told me he's going to provide for us. Let's go. At 75, they begin the journey with God. The Bible goes to describe how wealthy they were. They had so many things, but they were lacking in one area. They could not have children. Year after year, I believe maybe Abraham started trusting God when he was 75. God is going to do it. God is going to do it. God is going to do it 20 years ago. God is going to do it 22 years. God is going to do it. And time is going until Sarah becomes unable to. To bear children. And every time they're looking at one year, another year, the other year, maybe the faith they had begins to get shaken because, well, God, the facts of life are beginning to gather against the faith we have in our heart. The facts are beginning to prove wrong that your word isn't really working because all the facts now are pointing to the fact that Sarah is unable to have a child. To the point that they plotted to have a child outside of the plan of God. And that's how desperate they were. But this is what the Bible says about them. It says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham chooses to do something that the facts are against him and his wife. The facts are pointing and are saying, no, but Sarah's womb is dead. I don't really know what dead means, whether she was sick and, and her womb was removed. I really don't know what the Bible means by dead, but what we know is that it was dead. In other words, unable to have any child in there. But yet the Bible says that Abraham, not considering their natural facts, they based their, their, their desire and their hope in the faith that they had, that God who had promised was also able to perform. What do you do, family, when the facts of life are contradictory to the purpose of God over your life? What do you do when... You realize literally the natural facts are gathering against you, against the dream that you have. You have a dream to one day start a business, but every time you try to stand up, somebody will tell you the environment isn't conducive for you. Maybe your idea would not work for this market. Every time you apply for a promotion, somebody tells you, but the, the facts are against you, you are underqualified, you, you can't get here, you can't get there. What do you do when, when all the things that are needed for you to get there, you don't have them because the facts are against you? Abraham is faced with a situation where the facts are against him, but the Bible says not considering the facts. He placed his faith in God. 
Abraham knew that his wife's womb was dead. He didn't deny the fact that that was the reality. But he had an understanding that there is another reality. That that reality was never going to limit them from experiencing the other reality. I'm not saying you should, if you've been diagnosed with an a sickness or, or, or something that you should just go around denying what that is. Abraham not considering Sarah's, Sarah's womb meant that they did not allow their external facts to pollute their internal faith. And heart. what did I say? Internal faith. Whatever faith. There we go, Lord. That's the word. Internal faith. Thank you. That they did not allow their external facts to pollute their internal faith. That you can live life having everything outside pointing to a contra contrary direction, to the direction God has on your life, but you can still have faith in the inside to believe that God will take you where he says he'll take you. And so Abraham, not considering the deadness of Sarah's womb, another scripture that Paul speaks about in Ephesians 20, uh, 3 verse 20 says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There's a God who transcends the quantity of the facts that you have in the natural. It says that to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. In other versions it says or imagine. You know, life has this thing of, have you, have, you, have you ever been stressed just by imagining something and the impossibility of achieving it already stresses you before you even start doing it? Like just the idea of doing it already gets you into depression. And God says, beyond what you can imagine about your marriage, what you can imagine about your career, what you can imagine about your children, there is a God who can do exceedingly abundantly beyond and above that. That you are not limited to the natural facts that you are being faced with right now. If somebody told you you don't have enough money to pursue that career or to change this or to do that, let me tell you something. There is another way of understanding this, which is an understanding by faith. That God can do exceedingly abundantly above, beyond what we can ask or think. Paul again, speaking in another place. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 he says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I say this in the first service. That I have never suffered from mental illness or depression. And so I have a lot of sympathy for people who have gone through that. I really don't fully understand all the complexities of mental illness and depression. But I have had people very close to me suffer from depression. And when you hear stories of people who have suffered from mental illness or depression and people talk, sometimes I like to challenge them to think beyond the diagnosis that they've received. 
Sometimes I try to challenge them to think, maybe it's easier for a person who isn't suffering. Maybe that's why God doesn't have all of us go through the same situation so we can encourage each other. And sometimes I challenge them to think that there is a God who can give you peace that surpasses all understanding. That there is a peace that exists that is not dependent on any human understanding. The peace that comes from the heart of God. And that when you, be, you put your faith in God, God can cover and guard your mind with his supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. That word to guard your mind and peace, it's literally to be the empire that directs the ways that your mind kind of processes things. That the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. And I did this in the first service. The word by fascinated me because the theme of the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 goes by by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And I wanted to make this word by faith perhaps alive to us as I was you know, grappling with this with the Holy Spirit. And so I thought of using something that I see quite often in our, in our kitchen. Uh, my wife corrected one or two things about my illustration. So if I change my story, I'm not lying. I'm still telling the truth, but from another angle. <laughs> All right, Joshua. You were in the first service for a few years. So we just know that it's the same truth, just from a different angle. But I, um, I was thinking of how the kitchen in our home is configured. That we've got things like, like tea that we use quite regularly that we, we have put within reach of. My wife is shorter than me, so we put kind of closer so that every time she needs tea, she'll just reach for tea. And, uh, but we've got this tea here, which I got corrected in the first service, but I will still tell my story, Pascal. The same truth from a different angle. Uh, <laughs> but this tea, we, we've had this tea for a very long time. We bought it from uh, Paris and my wife and I went to visit. We have had this tea just stand up somewhere, somewhere far that my wife can reach, but it's just been there to start discussions where people would visit. Hey, that tea looks nice. Yeah, no, we got it from Paris because we went to visit there. <laughs> so it's, it's there, but, but it's, it's not within her reach because it's far because we don't use it regularly. Then, then we've got smecta, which we use every time we come from a wedding. Um, <laughs> because it's for diarrhea, if you were wondering. So these, we, we have this uh, somewhere within reach where we come from a wedding because I don't know. What's up with <laughs> and then we take it out another winter. And so if my wife would be looking for this, she would have to interrupt my soccer watching and say, babes, can you please fetch that for me? All right, so I would have to stop what I'm doing because I am taller than her to go and fetch that for her. And I thought how life can be like this sometimes. That there are certain dreams in your life that look like they're beyond the reach of your heart. 
There are certain aspirations that your children have, your grandchildren, that you yourself have, that when you look at them, they, they look amazing, but they look beyond the reach of your capabilities in the natural. It looks like this tea, it's there, but you cannot reach it, but it's there, and you know it's there. Maybe it feels like your good health is somewhere beyond the reach of your money and, and the doctors because you know your healing is there, but you can't reach it because you are too short to get there. Maybe you, this is a business that you want to start and you've been wanting to do it, you've been wanting to do it, but you know that you don't have the finances to do it, but it's there. It feels like this tea, it's there, but it's far beyond your reach. And so often what my wife would do is that she would either call me or she would get a kitchen stool and stand on it to be able to reach there. She has to elevate herself to a certain height in order for her to reach there. But the problem with elevating herself for the kitchen stool is that her elevation is only dependent on the height of the kitchen stool. If it is this high, then her elevation will be this high. And when she calls me, she's limited to my height. If anything is beyond both our heights, then we have to look for someone who is taller than both of us to be able to reach for that. This concept of living by faith means, as we heard last week from Pastor Carol, that faith is hope in a person and not in an outcome. In other words, if faith is hope in a person and not in an outcome, then when I say by faith, I am doing it by the faith I have in the God who is taller than me, who is stronger than me, who is more powerful than me. And by him, I can reach to the things that I couldn't reach by my own strength. And so the whole concept of living by faith simply means that I fully surrender my own capability and strength and embrace the strength of the one who is stronger and more powerful and taller than me who can reach places and things that I cannot reach in my own strength. And that's the concept of living by faith. I don't want the sum total of my life to be based on the facts that are there naturally. If, if, if who I am today was the sum total of my own thoughts and my own strength and my own doing, then I would be limiting myself because there's a God who is unlimited. That when I, when I relinquish my own ability to trust in my own strength and embrace on his strength and surrender fully to his strength, then I know that my life becomes limitless just like he is limitless. The concept of living by faith. Two points I wanted to bring, which I didn't get an opportunity to do in the first service. Where are my points? Where are my points? There we go. So living by faith means in order to live by faith or faith facts, we must place our full confidence all right, in who God says He is. 
And sometimes I think this is an easier one to do, but it's not. Because when you're faced with an impossible situation, our first point of call sometimes is not God. Our first point of call is relying on ourselves. We only start to call on God when things didn't work, when we try to do them by ourselves. And oftentimes as pastors, we are dealing with crises rather than people who are hungry to pursue God. And so you're dealing with someone who's already desperate and already disappointed with God and already hurt with God because they've tried in their own strength and they couldn't do, but still blame God that God didn't do it for them and come to you in a crisis rather than at the beginning when they're hungry in pursuit of God. Because from the onset, we don't fully surrender our strength and put our confidence in who God says He is and refuse ourselves the right to do things in our own strengths. And the second point is we must not allow facts that are not consistent with God's nature and character to dictate how we live. It'll be a tragedy if you had to leave here and say that we say just disregard all the facts that you, you know and have heard about life. But here's the truth. If there are facts that are in the natural, that are not consistent with the nature and the character of God, that are not consistent with the purpose and the plans of God for your life, they really are not facts. They are not facts. They are lies. Because anything that, that is not consistent with who God is, is not true. I'll give you an example. If somebody tells you, you go for a diagnosis at the doctor, and the doctor tells you that you have this illness that you're going to live with for the rest of your life, nothing will ever change. You will stay like this for the rest of your life. That is a fact, medically. But what does the word say? That's not consistent with the word of God. The word of God says, by the stripes of God, we are healed. Yes, I might be naturally ill right now. But the word of God, which is the eternal truth, tells me that by the straps of Jesus Christ, I'm healed. Therefore, that is not a fact that I should allow to dictate how I live my life. It is a lie, and I should reject it. See, another example would be someone tells you that it's okay to be poor. Because, you know, the, Jesus, the Bible talks about the poor will always be among you. It's, it's a, it's, God gives us permission to be poor because you know the bible talks about the poor and we look at the poor the promise of god is not for anybody to be poor the promise of god is not for anybody to be poor therefore when somebody gives me a diagnosis of you will always be like this because you were born in this area or in that area or you never go here or get there no that is not the fact that aligns itself with the word of god therefore it is a lie and i'll reject it And so, in conclusion, as I close, I believe living by faith means having faith as both the substance of our hope and the evidence of our conviction in God for the dreams we have for ourselves, our nation, and our family. Please stand with me as I pray. We're going to do something special in the service, so I need to pray
someone said to me at the end of the church service that sometimes we say she needs believing. But I think what I've taken out of the message today is believing and seeing. And there's a lot of truth to that. That we are Christians and that our lives are not just natural. It would be a tragedy as Christians if we were only natural because then there is no difference between us and animals. Yes, we are both natural and supernatural. And there's a reality beyond our natural five senses that God is inviting us Maybe you are going through something that doesn't make sense in the natural. You're wondering, you've been praying and trusting God and doing all you know how to do, but maybe nothing is changing. And in the natural, the facts are against you and you cannot understand. So I'm inviting you to a place of understanding by faith. We can believe and we must be confident in who God is and what He said He would do. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for grace over each and every one of us. Grace to live by faith. Grace to surrender fully our own rights to do things in our own strength and allow you to empower us in your natural, supernatural strength, Father, to do the things that only 